Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I am your gracious host, Xavier Miller. And today we got a live, live episode. So before we get started, I would like to advise all the listeners, all the watchers, to please like, comment, share, leave that five-star rating and review because we're trying to run those numbers up. And getting right to this episode, so today I got a very, very special guest. Y'all may have seen her online. If y'all ain't seen her online, y'all better pay attention because she's going crazy. And she's on the pod today. She about to drop a lot of game, a lot of gems. And her name is Toddy. Welcome to the show, Toddy. What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm glad I'm glad to have you here. You know, we've been we've been planning to do this for, for a minute now. So <laughs> yep. it, you here now. You here. So let's get straight to it. So for the listeners and the watchers, right? Well, this may be their first time seeing you or hearing of you. Give some give some brief background on yourself to let the listeners know who you are. Yeah. So uh like he said, my name's Toddy. I'm a virtual wholesaler. I actually was just a waitress. And during the pandemic, when I got laid off, like a lot of people, I was looking for something else to do. Um, and I just got on YouTube. I found out about real estate wholesaling and I tried to do that in Vegas. And from there, um, I failed. I completely failed for a couple of weeks. I was calling people in Vegas. And then I found out about virtual wholesaling. So I started doing that in Ohio. Um, I got six deals my first month, made 38K. It was like the most money I ever seen in my life. So kind of went super fast. And from there, I just kept doing the same thing every month. And it's been almost three years now. Wow. So you said you started during the, during the pandemic. 20, yep. So you said you was a waitress, right? Yep. So was, was Vegas, it shut down for a second, right? It shut down for over a year. I remember going out there and it was like boarded up. Yeah. Uh, so, so the restaurant, what restaurant did you work at? I worked at La Pizza La Pasta in the Park MGM. Okay. So it was an Italian restaurant, but it was right on the strip. So um, we got all of the drunkest people that just came out the shows or was going gambling. So I was serving really drunk people, more wine, more liquor. And um, it was a fun job. It wasn't a bad job, but I was, I was really stuck in it. Like I was comfortable. I was probably making like four or $5,000 a month at the most. And was you, you were satisfied with that at the time? I wasn't satisfied with it. I was trying to start all these businesses in the meantime. Like I started, uh, drop shipping eyelashes. So I, I literally bought 5,000 pairs of magnetic eyelashes and I ended up throwing out 4,700 something pairs because I only sold like less than less than 300. Um, I tried to start selling food plates, Ethiopian food, I'm Ethiopian. Okay. Uh, cleaning company, Ethiopian jewelry. There wasn't too much that I didn't try, uh, but I was failing at that. Meanwhile, working this job that I was steady and comfortable at, but I always knew I wanted more. It wasn't like I was I was happy there, right. but I was making enough money to pay my bills and you know be a mom and be good. So you always had the entrepreneurial like spirit, pretty much. I always had it. Yeah, when okay. I was in when I was really little in school, I used to like barter my my clothes and my jewelry whenever I would go shopping. I'll go to Claire's and I'll get some hoops and I would you know the sell them thing. to my homegirls and stuff like that. So yeah, I always had that. So when you left when you left the job in Vegas, was it like they shut down or you just like left on your own? No, we I was laid off. Oh wow. Yeah, it was March 11th. I remember the day. And we came in and they were like, sorry, um, this COVID thing is bigger than we thought. And we have to shut down the whole casino and you get $300 a week. And we'll see. We'll see you guys when we see you. $300 a week. What the hell are you supposed to do with that? Yep. That's crazy. So now you like, when was the, the, like the light bulb for real estate? When did that go off? Well, the funny thing is when I was 19, I got my real estate license. Okay. So when I was 19, I got my real estate license. I did nothing with it. I went to Century 21. I sat and I cold called for six months, but I was, I wasn't doing it seriously. I was on Facebook. I wasn't taking it seriously and I didn't get a deal. So then I took my real estate license and I started selling timeshares. Okay. So I sold timeshares for in, like in a Vegas. year and a half in Vegas Okay. and I made good money, but then they shut down the department, what I was doing in the timeshares. And that's when I started, um, just finding jobs. I worked at a call center. I worked at so many different places, and then I found the restaurant. Wow. That's, so let's get it. Let's get, you said that first month when you got into real estate, you said you didn't make anything, right? I I didn't make anything. So when I got my real estate license when I was nineteen, I didn't make anything at all. Six months, I cold called. I didn't make anything. It just it was a it was done. It was a fluke. So I figured, all right, this doesn't work. I'm too young. Maybe <laughs> maybe people don't take me seriously. I had all these excuses I kind of made. And then I just went into the workforce. Um, but when I got laid off, I remember it was this guy that came and sat in my section at the restaurant. 
And um, he's actually from Dallas. I, you, I don't know if you know him, Lawrence Fuller. Um, he's that sounds in, super familiar. I think, yeah, he yeah. buys houses. He's an investor out here. But okay. he left a, a card up at the table that said real estate problem solver. I'm like, what's that? So I went to his Instagram and I saw he was a house flipper. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. So right when the pandemic's happening, I DM'd him and I'm like, how did you get started flipping houses? He said, oh, I started off wholesaling. And I had heard about that a little bit in the past, um, but I never really knew exactly how to do it and everything. So I'm like wholesaling. And that's what kind of lit the fire when I got laid off. I'm like, I want to do something. I've tried Amazon. I tried all this online stuff. I've tried selling eyelashes and hair and jewelry. Nothing worked. Let me try this wholesaling thing. And um, I got into a YouTube wormhole. So it was March 11th. By uh, April 7th, I had started calling people. And what made you choose the virtual route, though? Because, you know, people first, like, responds when they're like, I'm going to do wholesaling. They're going to, like, drive around in their local neighborhood. So what made you say, I'm going to do it virtually? So I did that. So first okay, I drove okay, around okay. Vegas. And I got this app. And I'm getting the houses, I'm calling people, I got a list, I'm calling people, but everybody was just cussing me out and they were like, oh, I know what my house is worth, are you crazy, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought to myself, you know what, it's too hard in Vegas because the houses are very expensive. Airbnb is popping out here. At the time it was like very, it was newer and there was no regulations. Right. So people were listing their house and it was selling the same week. I'm like, what is the need for a, for a wholesaler really? What's the need for, even if you have a distressed property, you could sell it super fast. So I didn't feel like there was a need for me. The market was oversaturated. So I was honestly on my way to giving up. I was really? honestly on my way to just feeling like this, this whole thing doesn't work. And then I was on YouTube and I saw somebody say something about virtual wholesaling. And I went to a Facebook group and I saw houses in Ohio for like $20,000. And I'm like, I think I could try this in Ohio. Let me just give it one more shot. So I did the same thing. I got a list in Ohio and I started calling it. And on the third day, somebody said, yes, I want to sell. The third day. The th I quick. had spent two weeks in Vegas, nothing. Nothing. And I'm talking about six, eight hours a day. It wasn't like I was just putting a little time in. I was really sitting on a dialer for six, eight hours a day, every day. And then you went to Ohio, third day, you third get a day, deal. I got a deal. And how big was this deal? This it first turned deal. out to be almost $15,000. And this is your first deal? First deal. So at this time, you <laughs> you you go from leaving your job to now you're a full-time entrepreneur. You're getting into this wholesaling. you do Ohio, 15,000 first day. What's going through your mind at this point? When he said, yes, I want to sell, and then I gave him the number that I saw on the computer and everything, and then he said yes to that number, I was like, honestly, I was waiting for like the rug to get pulled out yeah. under me. for Until the money was in my account visible, you thought something would I thought something was going to happen. I didn't think that this was, I thought it was too good to be true. So I'm like, something's going to happen. There's something, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I like, I felt like, and then when the money came, I honestly felt like my hands, everything was vibrating. I felt like I was floating. I'm like, what is going on? I was on an adrenaline rush and it, it was real. But when he said yes, that just told me like, okay, keep going. So I ended up actually lining up like five more deals before that first one ever closed. I already had five more in the pipeline. Already lined up. Yeah. That's crazy. So it you was, was crazy. so you was so you was working into it. So, but how many at this point, like that first month, how many no's did you like on the estimate? How many did you get? A lot on an average day, I was getting between twenty to twenty five people. Um, so if you multiply that by like twenty days, that's at least like three hundred something no's to the six yeses. But that's a big lesson in that, though. Yeah. Like I think most people. They will definitely not get to that point. They to get two or three no's, and it's like this is not it. This is not for me. To get three hundred, to get three hundred different people telling you no to something, that takes a lot of um, a lot of discipline, a lot of foresight to just say, forget it. I'm gonna keep going no matter what. So what did you like? What like mentality did you have to keep doing that? Because it's it's easy to say, like you just said, you thought about giving up. Say I'm just gonna give me another job. So what made like what really made you like? Keep going, like no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out. So number one, at that time, it was no other job. It was like, what am I gonna do? Really, is it? Am I gonna do DoorDash or something? Because it was COVID. It was Facts. no jobs, so it was either accept the three hundred dollars a week was as my life, but my rent was seventeen hundred dollars. So it wasn't even like it didn't add up. I couldn't. I was gonna just spend all my savings and be broke. So I knew I couldn't give up. But my thought was like, maybe I'm, I'm going to have to do something else, right? But after that first guy said yes, it told me like, all right, 
there's more yeses out there. So I wrote on a piece of paper, every no leads me closer to the next yes. And I put it on the wall. And I put another thing on the wall that said, nobody can outwork me. And I just figured, I don't know anything about real estate, but I can sit here for eight hours a day. I went to my job for eight hours a day. I can sit here for eight hours a day. And I just went crazy. Like I sat there and I had maybe like two bottles of water a day. I barely ate. And I just called people. I was in like a fury to not go broke, mm. honestly. Mm. And you at this time, did you have uh, one kid or two? I had my I had one kid. You I had, had my kid. son. And um, my mom just sold her house. Literally right when COVID happened, she had just sold her house. And she was going shopping for another house. And she has some health conditions. So we were all scared. And I told her, don't, don't look for a house. Just come stay with me in the meantime until this thing is over, right? And she stayed with me, so she would watch my son, because I have a little brother too. My little brother and my son are only four years apart. So my son and my brother are like brothers. So yeah. she came, my brother came, and she watched the kids all day, and I sat on the computer all yo, day. Yo, that's a lot on your plate. <laughs> that, that, hearing your story, that's a, that's a lot on your plate, like losing a job. It's the middle of COVID. You gotta take care, you got a kid already. Now you got, you got your mom depending on you, and your little brother. That's a lot. To, so I want to ask you, like, how did in those moments? How did that feel? Did you did it feel like the weight of the world was on your shoulders, or was it just like, like, how did you feel in those moments? Yeah, it did. It did. Honestly, the weight of the world has never left my shoulders. Mm. It still feels like that to this day. Like, even now, even now, I know that my entire family is depending on me to succeed. I've always known that. Like, my family comes from Africa, but it doesn't really matter. Like. Even most people born here don't have generational wealth. You don't have nothing to fall back on. Most people born in this country, there's a few that do, but your parents' retirement depends on you for most of us. <laughs> That's facts. So when they start getting older and they get sick and these real life happens, oh, there's a hospital bill or they need this type of therapy or they need this or that. And you're seeing that happen in real life. Who's going to pay for that? And that's always... You know, my my dad is much older than my mom. So the, it's it's always been something that was in the back of my head. And it's even when I was waitressing or no matter what I ever did, it's always why I always hustled so hard because I know, like, I'm the retirement plan. Right. <laughs> I'm the retirement plan. And then now I have a little brother. So um, it does it does feel like it did feel like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. But for me, the pressure helped me. Mm. It became a fuel. Mm. So you, you feel like pressure is a good thing. Yeah, if you turn it into a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. So, the first deal, you, it's fifteen, it's fifteen grand. So, what was the next one? The next one was like seven. That's still something. Yeah, That's still much better than. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. That was like four months of waitressing. Yeah. So, I want to, I want to go back for a second. I want to ask you this because I know it's a lot of people that's listening and watching this. You know, so many people. I'm pretty sure they come to you with this. People that know your story. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they ask you the same question, like people that stuck at a job that want to leave, because I get this question a million times. People are like, man, I really want to leave. I don't want to be here. I hate it. But it's that fear of like, what's going to happen when I leave? What do you say to people that ask that question? I don't think, I honestly don't even think people should leave their job. I think, <laughs> I think you should start doing what you're going to do next while you're at the job. Okay. I think Break I, that down. Break it down. I honestly think that you should start doing what you're going to do next while you're working the job because the job is your stability and your comfort. But you still have more hours in the day. That's not all the time you have. So whatever other hours you have, you need to be putting that towards your other thing. So let's say you work eight hours a day at a bank, right? When you get off, you have that time after you get off to start working on something else. Yeah. When that second thing starts making money, and now you're losing money because you're at the job, I think that's when you should quit the job. I agree. If you're at, if you're at work and let's say you, you've been selling mics, let's say, for example, whatever, you've been selling microphones and equipment and people are trying to buy it and you don't have someone to sell it for you and you know you just lost $600 because you were at work, that's the time you should start parting from your job. But I don't, I'm not the person that's like, quit your job and just try entrepreneurship. Because entrepreneurship is hard. Very. You might fail a couple times before you succeed. Very. And if you have, especially if you have kids, you can't just risk your whole family's life. It's easy for people to say once they've made money, but when you're in That's that situation facts. and you have people to provide for, I highly don't suggest, I highly don't suggest like risking everything and, um, quitting your job and just trying something. You better know that thing works. No, that's very, very <laughs> true because oftentimes the entrepreneur that's telling you to quit your job, 
they the successful business that they have, they're not telling you how many unsuccessful businesses they had before they before that one popped off. Exactly. It's probably been like five to ten very unsuccessful big failures they had before that business took off. So I completely I completely agree with you. What do you say to people that say like for something to blow up, you have to be all into it? Because there's some people that at their job, their mindset is all oh, my business is never gonna blow up because I'm I got eight hours here. I'm not I'm not 100% into my business. What, what's your What's your thoughts on that? I think I think that's a false belief. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a limiting belief. Like if you, whatever you believe is reality. So if you think it's not going to blow up because you're at work, it's not going to blow up. But if you believe that, hey, this thing can start blowing up while I'm at this job and then I can leave this job and go full time, it will. Um, a good example is I taught this girl TK in Jacksonville, Florida, this woman, uh, virtual wholesaling. And she did... Uh, her first month was in July, and she this made July? this July just okay. passed. She made twenty three grand. That's big. And then she texted me, and she was talking about how she was going to quit her job, and she just got a promotion, and she's a fashion designer, and she likes what she's doing. So she's a stylist with a fashion designer. She likes her job. It's flexible enough for her to still do virtual wholesaling, and she just made twenty three k. And I was like, okay, why would you leave your job right now? You clearly can still make money while you're doing that, but that's going to give you the stability. Like, what if a month goes and you don't get a deal and you already spent the money you made? Now you're going to be scrambling. You have a good job and you're making money. Stack the money until it's enough to quit. Exactly. But, you know, entrepreneurship has been so glamorized and especially (laughs) during the, like, you know, like during the pandemic, early pandemic. It was like nobody was really working like that. And it was like entrepreneurship looked lit on the ground. But the conversation around it is not all the way authentic because most entrepreneurs are not really breaking down to people how difficult this really is. You know what I'm saying? You can have some crazy months and you can have low months. Yep. And sometimes you can have droughts that last an extended period of time. And everybody's not built for that. Mm-hmm. So, and if you're not built for it, the first thing you're going to do when that happens, you're probably going to run right back to your job, quit your business. Anyway. Yeah. So it's like you have to... I have this conversation all the time. At the end of the day, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Investing is for everybody, though. But entrepreneurship is definitely not for everybody. And you got to figure out if you're going to do this, like, is it really, is you really built for this? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because it's a lot of downs. And and that's, virtual wholesaling is not investing. It's, a, it's entrepreneurship. It's entrepreneurship. It's exactly. entrepreneurship. It's, it's, <laughs> you can leave your job for it, but it's still another job. You still got to work it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Until, so I, I highly, I think... Like you said, it's glamorized, but also most of the people that is glamorizing it, the point of glamorizing it is always going to be to sell something. To sell something. Yeah. It's not It's not being true and being honest with people and telling them about the hard parts. The hard parts is what you need to know first, because before you start this, you need to know what you're in for, or else the comfort and the security of a job, a good paying job, might be for you, and that's not a bad ain't thing. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's nothing wrong There's with nothing that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but break. You talked about virtual wholesaling. Break that down because I, I was talking. Uh, I was talking about you to some. I was talking about you to someone saying like, I got a virtual wholesaler coming on the show. First question they asked was, "What's that?" So I'm like, I'm laughing because I thought I just assumed. You know, being an entrepreneurship, I just assume people know like the same things I know. So I'm like, that's a good question. I'm gonna have to ask her that. So break that down for the listeners and watchers. There's like a virtual wholesaler. What is that? Yeah. So well. Regular wholesaling is just being the connection between a seller and a buyer, whether it's house, land, whatever. You want to sell a house or a piece of land or whatever it is. Um, You don't want to list it for whatever reason. So somebody like me will come around and find a buyer and I'm going to connect you guys and I'm going to make the middle money. So if you want to sell it for $20,000 and she will buy it for $30,000, that means I can make $10,000 wholesaling that property. Right. So usually a wholesaler will do it where they live. Like you said, they'll mm-hmm. drive around, they'll find messed up houses, they'll make a list and they'll call people or text people, whatever. Um, virtual is just when you're doing it in a place that you don't live. So you never actually meet the sellers in person. You don't actually look at the houses. You don't do any of that. It's all done on a laptop and a cell phone. That's it. So I love it because I like to travel and move around. Like I'm still going to be able to work while I'm here in Dallas or when I'm in Atlanta or when I'm on vacation. I'm going to always be able to work. It's not like I have to find someone to go take appointments or whatever if I was doing that. What's the di- what's the most difficult part about virtual wholesaling? I would say the most difficult part is when doing virtual wholesaling is easy. The most difficult part is building a team around it. And why is that? 
because remote work is extremely difficult to sit in a, a room by yourself and be accountable is very hard. So when you have one guy in Florida and one guy in Texas and they're in a bedroom by themselves doing these sales calls, they can get demotivated kind of quickly. Yeah. And or they don't have the um, it's a new word I learned, but they call it assiduity. And it's the ability to sit on your ass for a long period of time. <laughs> assiduity. I never heard of that one. <laughs> it's, and they, they, they don't have the assiduity okay, to, okay. To, to do the job. And like I said, it's like I, when I started out, it was six hours, eight hours on the computer. That's what it's sales. It's marketing and sales. You just you per, you're the perfect <laughs> guest because you just segue me right into my next question. So did you feel like when you started wholesaling, you was a waitress? So did you feel like you had some kind of sales skills already or no? Yeah, from timeshare sales. You had you, you yeah. already had sales skills. Yeah. So when I sold timeshares, um, it was very much a sales floor. Like we had sales meetings, we got yelled at, we learned everything. So do you think that how important do you think that skill is? It's important. Very important, huh? It's important. One of, is it one of the most important skills to have as an entrepreneur, you think? It's definitely, 100%. <laughs> yeah. So do you think, so break, what is some, give us some tips on the people that's watching. Because it's funny, I was just having this conversation with my family like two days ago, talking about sales and like how some people are naturally gifted at it and some people are taught it. Do you feel like people can be taught to be a great salesman or just something that's just like naturally in people? Oh yeah, someone can someone can practice enough to get good. You know, I've seen people role play and they sucked in the beginning and 6 weeks later they're amazing, but it's the repetition, it's the learning, but it's not just the learning, it's taking action and and doing the things re repeatedly because sales technically is psychology. A lot of people are good at sales just because they're naturally likable. Right. That's it. They're just naturally likable. They can they can carry a conversation they care about you. That's what makes them good at sales. So if I'm talking to you and I'm like, Xavier, how was your trip? You know, how's your child? How's your wife? And I'm talking about you. Naturally, as a person, you're going to like me because I care about you. <laughs> right. That's it. That's all it really yeah. is. All the other stuff like, you know, all that mind mentality, mind effing people and stuff. It's not. You don't have to do all that. It's just being genuine, caring, caring more about the person than your objective and letting the conversation flow naturally to how you can help them. That's it. That's what sales really is. So a good so so basically, good sales is caring about what the what this person wants or genuinely. They, that, and that's probably you said. <laughs> I'm glad you said the genuinely part because that's probably hard for people to. Some people just so disingenuous they probably can't get that part down and actually like truly care about somebody or what they need is because. It, it's about having an even exchange, not being one-sided. 100%. Sales, yeah. You know, the first call, that one, that first guy that said, yes, I want to sell, our conversation got so good to the point where I kind of forgot the point of the conversation. His father-in-law had just passed away in Cleveland. My stepmother had just passed away. And, it, you know, it was COVID. So, um, and they both didn't pass away because of COVID, but they both passed away kind of alone in the hospital. Um, and we started talking about that and he started crying and it made me start crying. And the reason why he wanted to sell was because that rental property that him and his wife owned, the only reason they had that was because their their her father, his father-in-law lived in Cleveland. So at this point he's like, I don't even want it anymore. I lost the whole meaning behind that property. And if we would have never just got to talking, I would have never knew the real reason why he wanted to get rid of right. it. it. It hurt him to own that. It was a pain point. Every time he had a call that 10 didn't pay rent or there's a leak, it just reminded him about the loss he had. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to be clear of it. And wiped out. And that would have never happened if I wasn't, when he mentioned his father, imagine when he mentioned his father-in-law, I was like, oh, sorry to hear about that. How many bedrooms? <laughs> you would have been like, man, get off my damn phone. <laughs> but because I'm genuine and I care, I'm like, what happened? Like, is your wife okay? You know what I mean? Because that's just the kind of person I am. I'm not going to hear that someone passed away and not and not just, stop. And just, and just continue the conversation. And, like not conti and continue to be like, let me try to get this deal. Mm. You know, and honestly, that taught me a lot. Because when I had that, I'm like, all I have to really do is really care. Right. And get to the bottom of how I can help. And guess what? If I can't help, I point them in a better direction. Mm. That's game. That's game right there. Because sales, sales is, for people that want to be entrepreneurs and business, sales is everything. Like, if you don't know how to close and actually get them, because you're in business to make money. 
Sales is you going to get the money. If you don't know how to do that part, you, your business is not going to succeed. I always say the sales and the clothes is two different things. Break it down. Because you can be like, imagine I we build rapport and we have a really good conversation and you like me and everything and everything's all good, but I don't ask for the money. The clothes is, that's where you do, they. when I learned sales, they always said luck favors the bold. Whoever can ask for the whatever it is, ask for the credit card, ask for the sale, ask for the signature, whatever it is, whoever can do that the most inevitably is going to make the most money. No, it is. It's definitely, it's definitely a fact that life does favor the risk taker. Some of the most successful people I know, the people I know with the most money, they're not the brightest. They're not the smartest. They don't know the most. It's just that generally speaking, the most times they're the boldest. Yep. They are very bold. You got to be bold. So brazen. You'd be like, shit, <laughs> Dude got balls of steel. Like, yeah. I wouldn't even think of ask for something like that. Like, they're super, super bold, and they don't care how many times somebody tell them no or how many times, like, it don't succeed. They just continue on with that boldness. And that's asking for the clothes. You got to ask for the money. You got to ask for You can for be a great money. salesperson, but if you can't ask for the money, then you're not going to make any. Mm, that's a fact. Let me ask you this. As far as uh, wholesaling, what's been your biggest deal today? $140,000. <laughs> so it was a four-property portfolio in Georgia, okay. um, houses, four houses right next to each other. And the total purchase price that the buyer paid for all four houses was $720,000. So he got four houses, 720K. Um, they're each gonna make him almost 2K a month. So he's making $8,000 a month. Mm -hmm. It's better than the 1% the rule. Mm -hmm. And um, we made 140,000. How did that feel? Doing that deal. I another and it's funny because this was already like over a year and a half into it. I still thought something was gonna go wrong. I'm like, no way am I gonna really do this Lose. deal. Cause that's <laughs> that's that's man, that's higher than most people's salary. That's in one deal. It was crazy. And I cry I cried. I'm but I'm ain't nothing I'm, wrong with that. Yeah, I'm I'm I cry. I'm a happy crier. Oh, ain't so nothing, ain't nothing I that. cried that day. I cried. I was like, I can't believe this is real. And I have a team, so I had to obviously send Spencer. people money. Right. So then I called everybody and I was like Y'all are never gonna see me again. I'm off to the to the Bahamas, and I, I was just messing with them. But okay, okay. But of course, yeah, no. But I paid everybody. Everyone was very happy. No, that's a beautiful thing. Congrats on that. That's big. That's very big. What do you think? What do you think is the most challenging thing about being an entrepreneur? That's a good question. So for me, um, it's just making sure that. I never feel like this is good enough. What you mean by that? So there can be times where you're making good money and stuff like that, and you get comfortable, and you're like, this is good enough. Like, I can't really, I'm making money. I know I have more money coming next month. I have. I know I have more money coming. I can just keep doing this. I can just keep doing this. That's scary for me. When I start getting comfortable, and I don't have that push to do more, that's too close to going back to where I was at. You know, in in life and in science, there's no um, you're either going forward or you're going backward. Yep. There's no Middle staying ground. the same. <laughs> right. There's no staying the same for your body to maintain like homeostasis or staying the same. Your body is working constantly because otherwise it's going to be declining. So yeah. just like if you're not working out, eating healthy, that means you're going down. There's no staying the same. There's not there's not really a maintain. So um, I think for me, the scariest part about entrepreneurship is. There is nothing really pushing you. You have to push yourself to want more. And every day you have to want more. Because two years ago, I never imagined that life would be like this. So it could be easy for me to get here now and just be like, okay, this is cool. I'm making multiple six figures. Mm -hmm. I'm happy. Like, what is what is there to push me to want to make a million dollars a year? What's there right. to push me to make three million a year? Nothing. So how do you do it? I have to push myself every day. And I have to expose myself to people who have so much more and who are doing so much more so that I can always remember like there's more there's so much more even if what I'm doing might be a lot from where I came from there's people that what I'm doing is absolutely nothing so I continue to put myself in those environments so that I can want that you know that's you just gave a bar for the people that's listening and watching uh, like I hope they 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 uh that peep that game because that's really it right there because it's hard to stay motivated it's hard to always be like especially once you start getting some success it's you start living life, you taking vacations, doing your thing. It's yep. hard to like, 
Like it's a saying they say it's hard to be motivated when you're waking up in silk sheets and silk robes and stuff. And that's that's real. Once you're looking out that you're feeling good, you're living good, it's hard to keep that. You're there. literally comfortable. You li- the literally bed is comfortable. <laughs> Everything. The AC's good, the car works good. You don't have any pressure forcing you to make money no more. No. You're like, shoot, I could sit down for a year and be straight. But you can't. You, you cannot. Can. You cannot. Okay. And I was <laughs> I was talking to somebody, um, Cause I, I it might I don't know if it's the same for men and women, but I know as a man, like when I wake up, you know, women like in the home like comfortability, mm-hmm. like the coziness. Yep. But I know me as a man yes. when I wake up and all that coziness, I'm like, it's taking off that edge I need. I'd be like, man, I need to fucking <laughs> sleep on the floor or something for two days or something to get like this edge back because it's real. Like it's like That's that. So I funny. I always need to to feel like I'm on edge when I wake up. My my fucking bed is plush. Teach is soft. I'm looking at like everything is just so good. It's like, man, it, it, I got to remember, like, no, I can do more. But the thing you said, like being in, around certain people in certain environments, that's so crucial because that that part right there, I think that's really the key. As somebody that's an entrepreneur that may be experiencing some wins, you have to stay around people that's like necessary, like maybe doing better than you. hundred percent. Because they're gonna they gonna it's gonna be things and conversations that they say, and you're gonna be like, damn, I can do a lot more than I'm doing right mm-hmm. now. Like, I was in. I was just in Chicago, and I was talking to the uh, the head of sales for BET, and he says he said like some fly shit, and I was just like, "Damn, like I, I could man, hold on, I got to do more." Like, but it was he didn't even notice. It was just like regular conversation. But when he, <laughs> I was like, "Hold on, I can do more." So that part is very, very important as as far as like staying around people that's going to help you stay motivated and hungry yep. because. Being motivated as an entrepreneur, that is not, that's not. It's easy to be motivated when you don't got nothing. It is. When you start, like you said, you getting $100,000 checks and all this, it's just, you can kind of just kick your feet up and be like, man, I want that life. This is it right here. So that's, I, I, I like that you said that. So let me, let me um ask you this. What's been, have you took any losses as a virtual wholesaler? So wholesaling is really cool because you can't really take a loss. Right. You know, like you might lose a deal, but- Whatever it costs you to get that deal as far as marketing, you're going to make it back in the other deals. Um, So with wholesaling, no. With buying properties, yes. So when I wholesaled for about a year and a half, I bought a bunch of properties because everyone kept telling me, you can't just wholesale everything. You need to keep some. For every four you wholesale, keep one. I just kept hearing all this stuff, and I'm like, man, I'm giving away my generational wealth. Like I had all this stuff in my head about, okay, I need to start buying these properties. So. I bought a bunch of properties. I bought duplexes and triplexes, and it was to the point right. where I had in Cleveland, all in Cleveland. So I was still wholesaling Cleveland. I'm buying them in Cleveland. So I had 18 doors, right? Okay, that's dope. At Congrats. one time in 2021, it wasn't it wasn't good. Thank you, but it was it did, was not good. Why is so one um, when the whole thing started, like you know, you're inheriting. When you buy a distressed property, you're inheriting the problems. Yep. So even though there's tenants in them, there's still stuff that can go wrong, right? <laughs> So and it will go wrong. It will go wrong. Let's say an AC goes out. Yep. AC went out. It was like six thousand something dollars. Okay, all right, it's cool. I'm ma- I'm making money on the first every month. I'm gonna get that back in a few months. All right, and then it rains really hard and someone's leak roof is leaking. Okay, now we got to figure out what's going on the roof. Okay, we need a new roof. Now I have a couple properties that I'm supposed to renovate and things. My wholesaling business, first of all. Inevitably slowed to a stop because now I'm focusing on these houses that I own now all day, taking calls, trying to fix this and that. Upstairs, downstairs, people are fighting now. One of them is suing the other one. They literally got in a fist fight. Um, all this is going on, and now my wholesale income is slowing down. And this is twenty this is twenty twenty one. And then probably between May to November twenty twenty one, I'm going through all of this owning these houses. And in November, I was just so stressed out. And my dad saw me um, having like a panic attack and he was like, why don't you just go back to waitressing? It seems like real estate is stressing you out too much. (laughs) And then I realized I'm like, I was never stressed when I was just wholesaling. It's because I jumped into this ownership thing without having a full knowledge of how much repairs really cost. I'm spending all the money I just made wholesaling fixing these properties. Yeah. And then the rental income is not that much at the end of the day. Not compared to them checks. You're not compared it. to that, you know, because it's Cleveland's one. One yeah. is six fifty. You got five fifty. You got seven twenty five. I know. So at I the end know. of the day, all this money I'm making on these mailbox money is not looking so good no more. So um, 
I still have two, but I ended up selling everything. Selling them. Yeah. Okay. And I made profit on most of them. I lost um I lost seventy five hundred dollars on one. I lost like three grand on the other one. Um, but at the end of the day, total, I came out with a little bit of profit, months of headache in between, and um, a lot of lessons learned. A lot of lessons learned. That's that's because that's big because a lot of people don't speak on a, the real, true story and horrors that can come with owning real estate. People make it seem like it's all good, but it's problems. And you have to be. I was just having this conversation with somebody else. When you buy a house, you have to be mentally ready. For everything that's on, like beyond financially, you have to be mentally ready because there yep. will be problems. Yep. You got tenants, we all come with problems. So when you when you take in when you get a home, it's gonna be a lot of ton of a ton of problems. And if you're not ready for that, you're gonna be like, man, I did, I know plenty of people. They heard about getting in real estate and ownership, then they did it, and they was like, man, I hated it. There yeah. was more problems than anything, and they like the money wasn't worth it. So you at the end of the day, you do have to buy right more than anything. Yep. Don't. It's people out here that just be like, buy real estate, buy real estate, when the reality is you have to buy the right piece of real estate. Because if you don't buy the right piece of real estate, you're going to have a, you're going to think real estate is a problem. And, and in some cases, in a lot of cases, it can be. But when you get the right deal, which might take time, it's a lot of due diligence, but it's worth it in the end because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have horror stories and crazy tenants. I had tenants uh digging up holes in the backyard to bury their dog all kinds of stuff like i didn't like <laughs> all kinds of crazy you don't even own this house <laughs> why do you want your dog back here that's crazy exactly exactly <laughs> like so it's it's stuff that that really comes with this but i want to ask you like as a mom as a mom too as a boss handling business what's like because this i think this can be like beneficial to a lot of women that that want to go down this path that's already going down that path like what's the um What's it like balancing that? Because I I know that can be a lot on, on your plate. What so for the people that's listening and watching that need some game or some some advice on that? What would you say? Um, balance is a funny word. It is because it implies that you're giving you know equal to all the things that are on your plate, and that's impossible. Um, especially when you are the provider for your family, obviously the provision has to come first, right? So I spend all my time with my kids versus when I was working, I was gone 10, 12 hours a day. I didn't get to see my kids anyway. Now I can see them all day, but I might be working while they're playing over there or whatever. Um, it's definitely more of harmony than balance. Like they're happy, I'm happy, we're all happy. But so my daughter's too. She doesn't really know what's going on anyway. So she just plays and has fun all day. Yep. My son really gets it. So it's funny, but he actually just got on his iPad, Google Earth, and um, this website to look up houses because he's making a list because he wants to start making money. That's so dope. he was like, "If I can find houses and you can do a deal, can I make, money? Can I make money?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "So I could do virtual driving for dollars?" And I said, "Yeah, of course you can." So last week. Um, he got it on his iPad and he has the notes on his iPad and he's got like eight houses in Jacksonville already. So it's definitely like, I, although I'm not able to be like stay at home mom vibes where I'm like just catering to them all day. Like, yeah, I work a lot. I'm not going to act like I don't. There's a lot of times that I'm on the computer and I do feel guilty. I do feel bad. But at least they're right there. Right, right they're there, not, you know, they're not at somebody else's house and I'm not working on the strip while I got to go pick them up. Like they're right there. If anything happens, I'm here for them. So that's why I love my business model because it allows me to be present. Um, even if I can't always be mentally present, but me being the type of person I am, like I have to make time to just play with my kids and do nothing else. So I'll take them to the park or I'll take an hour out of the day to just watch a movie with them. But other than that, I am always on the computer or reading a book. And they read and they do their thing too. So we kind of all live our own separate lives in the house. But that's how we have we have found our harmony. Um, in the beginning, I felt really guilty that I wasn't always making like gourmet meals and the house isn't always perfectly clean. Right. Like you said, we like our comfort. I want a, mm -hmm. a candle lit and the pillows right. all fluffed. But at the end of the day, like that's not going to serve them. This is serving them. This is building something for them. And then now look, my son is inspired. Who knows what he's going to do now? So um, I don't think that, I think that moms need to take the pressure off themselves, especially if you're the one taking care of your kids. Take the pressure off yourself to be everything perfect, 
and prioritize what's the most important. Okay, they're eating healthy, they're exercising, they're playing, they're drinking enough water, and they're happy. And my business is thriving as, as much as it can so I can provide for them. That's, that's my two main focuses. And other than that, like, I don't have a social life. I gave up no. social life to, for this, to be a good mom and to be uh, a boss. Mm. So when you say you don't have a social life, that can, be, that can mean a lot of things to different people. What do you mean by that? I don't go nowhere. Period. At all. Like you don't I'm go in the house. If my kids are at school and at daycare, I'm in the office. And that's it. If I go out, it's with them for them to have fun. Right. I don't have brunch. I don't have date night. I don't go drink. I don't hang out with my friends. My homegirls call me. I talk to them for like 20 minutes. And that's it. And I tell them I got it. I got it. I had to sacrifice something. That's... With doing that, at times, do you feel like you're missing out on anything? Yeah. You do? Yeah. I appreciate the transparency. I do. I I've, missed out on some girls' trips, and I missed out on some birthday parties. and um, I have an understanding group of friends who support me and love me um, and and root for me, and they know my mission. Um, so they're not the type of friends like, you never go out with us, so we're going to stop being your friend. They're like, oh, you're lame. Okay, that's more right. how it is. Right. Um, but I do kind of feel like I'm missing out on my 20s, you know? Because really? I've been doing this since I was 26. I'm 29 now, three years. Um, I kind of do feel like I gave up some of my youth for this, but I don't regret it. I feel like it was a, a fair trade. Mm. That's that's so interesting to me. Cause, <laughs> no, because, Damn, that's 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 really interesting. But at the end of the day, I will say this: it's, it's I think from I'm an outsider, of course. I think it's definitely going to be worth it in the end. It's paying off, yeah. and I'm not. You know, wouldn't it be worse if I was like sacrificing my time with my kids to go out and feeling like I was a bad mom? Yeah. Like I feel, I feel like I'm a great mom. I feel like I have a great business. Yeah, they're like you. <laughs> well, that's those are like the dopest things. It's the most me. important things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can still. Whatever those things are, when it comes to going out, traveling, brunch, kicking it, you still young. I can so still have things, that. You can still they they still on the table. Yeah. Even yeah. if you decide to do it at thirty five, you still be young. Yeah, and I take a vacation like at least once a year. I do take like four days, you know, just away by myself or with a friend or whatever. Like that, I will do just to give myself a mental break. Right. So that still makes me feel like I'm not I'm not super missing out. I was never the party type of person anyway, so I don't feel like I'm missing out on the partying, but. Um, it's picking and choosing because if you know someone invited you out on Saturday night right, or Sunday night and you know what's going to be the next day. Okay, I have a two-year-old that wakes up at 6.30 in the morning. I'm going to be tired. That's going to lead into the next day. That's going to mess up my whole week. I'm not going to have the mojo to do what I do. No, you're not. So I can't. Yeah, no, you, no, you're right. <laughs> like I, One thing, like I'm a new parent still. I realize once you have kids, that's going. To, it's only so many hours you got in a day. And when you got a business... Then you got kids. A lot of you have make you gonna have to make lifestyle changes or something. Some certain things gonna have to get dropped off. One hundred percent. Because it's not gonna be the kids that get dropped. off. And imagine off. now when your baby starts wanting to spend time with you. Exactly. Right now she's so little she she yeah. don't know, but soon she's gonna be like, "Daddy, take me to the park. Can we go to the aquarium? Can we go to the zoo?" And it's, that's gonna be you're gonna look at your friends and be like, "Man, why would I no, hang out with you? I got this." Exactly. Not like that, but no, no, it's gonna be like that. Like, <laughs> no, nah, bro, we I got my my daughter. We about to kick it. So right. Yeah. No, that's that's uh, like I said. I, I definitely appreciate that transparency because that's 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 real. Like a lot of people probably struggle with that. You know, picking and picking, especially in our generation. I feel like you 29, I'm 30. We got a generation where we kind of pick our like our wants over our priorities a lot of times. Definitely. You know, and then it, without realizing, it just bites you in the end. Definitely. Because all the, the stuff you need to handle is still going to be there when you're done having fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Those bills still going to be there. That debt you have is still going to be there. The business that didn't pop off is still going to be Bad on credit the you've been ignoring. Ignoring. It's every, <laughs> everything is still going to be, when you're done having fun, it's all going to be there. So it's like, why not prioritize handling business so you can like have fun later? Yeah, like you said, if I'm 35, look, if I'm 35, I got 20, 30 million, you know what I mean? In the bank. I have investments, cash flowing. I got things, income flowing. My mom has an issue. Here, mom, I paid off your house. At that level... Yeah, of course I'm going to go to the brunch and I'm going to hang yeah. out. I'm going to go on the yacht and I'm going to take the time. But, like, right now, I can't sacrifice my future no, you can't. for a night out. 
You can't. I know my my boy Donovan Ruffin. He say he all he told me something. He said I I, I never met a millionaire that told me I wish I would have went to the club more. That's good. <laughs> I like that. I never right. heard that. But I'm like, you're right, and I'm like, but I know a lot of people that did go to the club. That's like, man, I wish I would have handled business more. I love that. Yeah. So that made that, me feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you definitely. I, in my opinion, like I said, I'm an outsider, but in my opinion. I think you're definitely doing the right thing. But I want to, um, when it comes to like uh, virtual wholesaling for a second, so if somebody want to start, right? They listening, they hear your story, and they're like, man, this is something I think I want to do. Like, where can they start, like, virtually? What, like, what uh, sites or like, how do they get started on the ground level? Let's say they know nothing about this. Yes. So, um, so what I did and what anyone can do, because really, if you have the drive, you can you can just do it. You can get the softwares. You can put it together yourself. You don't need like you don't need much. Um, you need three things. So the first thing you need is a list of motivated sellers. How do you get that? So you can go to um, the website I use, reprolist.com. If you go to reprolist.com, there's a seven day free trial. But after that, it's like a hundred dollars a month. You can get uh, ten thousand. Addresses with the name, last name, mailing address, everything of that person, right? So first you think to yourself, do I want to do this where I live or do I want to do it virtually? Even if you do it where you live, like say you live in Dallas and you want to do it in Dallas, you can still set up everything virtually to where you don't have to actually meet the seller and do any of that. You don't actually have to go to an appointment. So first you get the 10,000 list. Um, You can skip trace that, which is getting the phone numbers for those people. So it's about $300 for 10,000. And then um, now you have a list of 10,000 people, right? You put that list of 10,000 people, name, phone numbers, everything, into something called a dialer system. So, you know, when you work in a call center or whatever, you put the headset on and it just starts calling people back back and forth. You don't have to touch anything. That's what a dialer system is. So the one that I used when I started is called Phone Burner. And it just calls one person at a time. There's uh, another one called Ready Mode that I like too, and it calls three people at a time. That way you're increasing your chances. But if you're just starting, I like the one that it just calls one person at a time. Um, So you put all those people into a dialer and then you just start calling and you literally just say, hey, Barbara, it's Xavier. How you doing? I see you own 123 Main Street. Are you interested in selling that? She says yes or no. If she says yes, you talk, build a relationship and you try to get it under contract. So the first website I um, mentioned where you can get the list, reprolist.com. On that website, you can also put an address in and see what other similar house is sold for. So all you have to do really is offer less than a cash buyer would pay for it, right? Then you sell it to a cash buyer for what they would pay for it. So let's say Barbara said, you know what? I actually do want to sell. I want $140,000. Then you can go and see what did houses sell for. Okay, I see one sold cash for one twenty, And you can just tell her, I don't think I could do one thirty. I could do one oh five. Obviously, it's negotiation there. Right. But let's say she says yes to 105 or 110. Now you can go to that same buyer that bought one for 120 and sell them that one for 120. And now you just made $15,000 or $10,000. And that's exactly what I did. Exactly what I did. Three steps. Simple. Them simple steps, too, that anybody can do. Anybody can do. You can literally write down what I just said and then go look it up on YouTube. And it's 35 billion people that talked about it. Talk about it. And that's literally it. Like, that's it. It's that simple. How do you feel about text? So texting, um, there's some new laws that just came out. So you have to be registered or you can only text with an 800 number. I think texting is good, but I think it's, it's played out already. Like, I get texts on properties that I sold 10 months ago. You know what I mean? So Me I think people get texts all day and night. And you got to be really, like, kind of desperate to want to answer texts. I won't say it doesn't work. I'll say some stuff works in some markets. Everything works if you do it in mass. If you're texting 10,000 people a day, obviously it's going to work. Somebody's going to. It's power in numbers. I don't think texting is the best way, though. I think I think someone hearing your voice and you being able to build the actual rapport with somebody, like, voice is the most powerful thing besides seeing someone in person. How, many, how often are you still getting, like, cussed out to this day? So right now I have a team, so they He's get not. cussed out. <laughs> um, but like last month, I said, you know what? Uh, you know, let's do some motivation stuff. I got back on the phones with everybody, and I got I got two deals. Um, and in that week that I was just on the phones, I did get cussed out, and it still sucks. 
So it still sucks. Still sucks. It doesn't feel good. I'm sensitive. <laughs> How does a um? Okay, so somebody that's watching this, right? They think about doing this. How does a phone call go? I want to like create a scenario, like where you obviously you tidy. Let's create a scenario where like I'm, I'm somebody that you're trying to reach out to that's trying to sell a house or whatever. Sure. Um, you want to do that? Yeah, yeah. Let's, go, let's, do, let's it. do it. So you call me, ring, ring, ring. Hello, I answer the phone. Hey, Xavier. Speaking. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Who is this? This is Toddy. I was calling about your house on um, Belvedere Street. Do you still own that property? Mm, I do. Okay. Are, are you interested in selling that? Uh, I've been thinking about it. I'm um, I'm really not sure. You're not sure? Mm-mm. What's, what do you mean? I'm not sure if I want to sell it. I want to keep it. Uh, I'm not... No, I'm not really in a rush to sell it, but with the right offer, I'll think about it. Okay. Is it, do you live there or is it like a rental or something? No, it's been vacant for a while. It's just, this has been in my family line. I got it passed down to me, so I just still have it. Okay. And um, how, how long is a while? How long has it been vacant? It's been like two years. Two years? Mm -hmm. Are you, are you paying a mortgage on it? No, but I'm paying taxes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, was there tenants before, or what was the situation like? Who yeah, it was there? tenants before a couple of years ago, but then they moved out. Did they leave it? Leave it okay? It's still it's okay condition. Need a little fix ups, but it's pretty okay. Why Why haven't you just rented it back out? Just busy, no time. Okay. Mm -hmm. What do you do for work? Um, I'm in sales. I work for AT and T. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah, I worked for AT&T for like a year. Um, really? I did. What'd you do? I worked at, have you ever heard of a call center called TELUS? No, I, no. matter of fact, I think I did. Yeah, I have. You worked for them? Yep, I worked at TELUS for a little over a year. I was. Um, I worked for the AT&T account, and then I worked for the Google 5 phone. You remember when Google came out with that phone? <laughs> oh, damn, that's crazy. That's yeah, cool. do you like it there? It's all right. I mean, you know, I, w I want to get something better, but, you know, it pays the bills. I mean, you will. You you definitely will. Um, so, I mean, you're busy. You can't fix it up. You said it was in the family. What about what about the rest of your family? Like who? who Nobody else owns wants it? it. I'm like I'm a, and I'm my only child too. Oh, your only child. Yeah. Okay. Parents passed away and all that. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Was this was this their home? Yeah. Oh wow. So it was left to you. You made it a rental. They left. And I they just left didn't care to pay, get anybody look for anybody to get back in it. Wow. Well, I'm really sorry to hear that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, I, I definitely want to um, help you out. I mean, we can definitely get some money in your pocket, but besides the money, I mean, is there is there any reason why you would or wouldn't sell right now? I mean, there's pretty much no reason why I wouldn't. I mean, I work this job. Uh, I'm definitely not going to turn down some money. You know, that'll always help. How much are you looking to get for it? Um... Say like a hundred fifty thousand. Okay. <laughs> that's me. That's me looking. That's, at it, that's, that's, that's you looking at running, running the numbers. Running the that's numbers. me running the numbers. Okay. Let's say I see that you know people are really. Let's say cash buyers are really. This is a common scenario. People are really buying for for ninety. Okay. And they want one fifty because they seen something. Right. You know. Um. So Xavier. Uh, let me ask you this: Where'd you get the one fifty from? Um, I kind of somebody I know down the street. They sold one of their properties a while back. It was around that range, so I just was that um thirteen fifty eight Lily Avenue. Yeah, yep. I see that. I yep, see that. Yep, yep. one hundred fifty two thousand. Yep, yep. That that house. Um, I mean that house looks brand new. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's got like marble floors. Oh yeah, we definitely don't have marble floors, so yeah. Yeah, I mean I know sometimes you could see things online and it can be a little misleading um so i guess you know my real question is like what would you what would you need to to make on this because obviously we gotta you know put put a lot of work into this house to get it to that shape to be worth 150 i mean there's to be honest i don't have a set numbers like i just want to like like i said i got bills and stuff so i just said 150 because that was the house i seen in the area but if i could there's no set number i need to make I think we can make it work, whatever makes the most sense. Okay. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm an honest person. I'm not okay. gonna I'm not gonna be the person that says, Oh, I could do one fifty and then right, right. I go look at the house and tell you, Oh, I can only do fifty. Like that's I would leave a bad taste in your mouth and I don't wanna do that. I'm looking at the numbers right now and I see most houses in that, you know, similar condition that just need some work, 
they're they're kind of going between fifty five and seventy five thousand dollars. Okay, I think I can do. I think seventy five for me right now, the position I'm in. I think seventy five would be pretty good if you could pull that off some way. Okay, um, so I'm, I'm. What I can do is I can move forward at seventy five. Of course, that's going to be contingent on us going, looking at it in person, right. checking it out, making sure there's nothing crazy, major roof, foundation issues. But um, is there anybody else that would need to say okay to this? No, it's just me. It's just you? Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your email? My email is XavierMiller123 at gmail.com. Okay, give me a second. I'm going to send you a super simple, just one-page agreement. We're going to you know, move forward at the 75. I just need 14 days to just get some contractors okay. in there. Uh, make sure that all of that's good. But if everything looks good to what you're saying, we can we can move forward at that number. Oh, cool. That, I, I appreciate that. Like I said, I'm in a I'm in I'm at this job. I need some money right now, so I think that'll work. I'm looking to get rid of this house anyway. Okay. Do, uh, can you can you check your email right now? Yep, I'm checking it right now. Okay. Got it. You got it. Yep. Okay. Go ahead and look over it. Let, I'm right here on the phone. Let me know if there's anything you have okay. questions boom, on. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, I don't, I don't have any questions right now. If I do, I'll definitely give you a call, Toddy. Okay, you can just uh, click that. You can just click. It says click to sign. Okay, got it. Click All it. right, I got it, and I got it signed on my end. Um, so what I'll do is, um, can we can we get in the house this week? We can get in ASAP. Okay, so let's do about tomorrow um, between 11 to 2, but I'll text you an exact time. Okay, that's okay. perfect. Perfect. It was really good talking to you, and really I hope to do this transaction with Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it, Toddy. Boom. Now you see that? Yeah. Where, where else y'all going to get that other made up mindset? That's really, that's really it. That's, that's really it. No, but on, on some real stuff, like for the people that's listening and watching and hearing that conversation, because a lot of people, you know, when it comes to wholesaling, they're like, what do I say when I get on this phone? When this person says this, what do I say back? And then, you, you know, some people got the scripts. Well, like the scripts is like you're reading it. You can't read it. You can't read it. When you got to know the script, and, and that's just your the bones of what you're talking about. Exactly. What you talk about is all about what the person is talking about. Mm. You have to build some kind of rapport. Like you said, you work at this call center. Yeah. Now I got to find, if you said, if you said, oh, I got to go on this run. Oh, you run too? Like, you know, you have to have something in common with the person. Mm. And I could tell just by how you was kicking it back. I'm like, oh, you do this for real. Like, you <laughs> like, she was looking off to the sound like, oh, she really doing I was doing like, I can't it. look at you. You, <laughs> <laughs> you was really like, that's, that's like, that's some real value though, because that's some, something that people can, I'm pretty sure people going to have that screen record that conversation. Play it back like okay, I need to be like this. Say this, and no, that's. If that's, I heard your baby crying in the back, I'll be like, "You got a baby? Oh, how old's the baby? What's her name? You know what I mean? Like, get to know the person. It's like when you go on a first robot. date, you can't just be in a rush, you know, for the clothes. You gotta get to know. And this was a little quick one, but if it took thirty minutes, it takes thirty minutes. Mm. Damn. Take your time. Let the person talk. Sometimes people just need a, an ear. And it's a vent. Yeah. Some people want to vent and all this. You might be called at a time when somebody just want to go on a rant. I spent 14 hours on the phone with this lady. What? Over, I, I, I calculated because after the first call, I was like, that was too long. We talked for like over an hour. And every time she called me, she vented. At the end of it, I knew all her family's name, what they did to her, like her whole story. 14 hours. 14 hours in total over the course of like three months. How big was the deal? The deal ended up being like a $16,000 deal, but I only made like 11 because I had uh, a boots on the ground, like the people I pay that are actually in the city. Depending on what they do, I'll pay them more or less. And um, he introduced me to some buyers that ended up buying it, so I, I gave him a cut of the deal. Um, so I made eleven thousand, but to me it was still worth it. Like I helped her. That's not bad. That's almost a thousand an hour being on the phone with somebody. Yep. And he That's ran into her the other day, and she had her surgery because that was what she was going through. She had her surgery, and she asked about me and everything. And she was like, "How's she doing?" I bet. Fourteen. Y'all, that's the friends. Yeah, that. we were. We that's were. a long. That's a long time. And this, this uh, one of the final questions I got for you before we wrap up. What is your what is when it comes to business or whatever, however you want to answer it, what is your biggest regret? <laughs> listening to people. As far as what? Listening to people and not going with my gut. Like when you, especially when you start making money, guess what? Right everybody when you start got making advice. money, everybody got a, an advice for you or an opportunity for you. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Hey, everybody that's watching and listening, especially if you're making money. Please, like Toddy just said, there's going to be millions of people that come to you like, oh, I got this investment for you. I got this business opportunity. I got this. Like, okay, so how can I say it? Just don't do that shit. 
Especially if you just started making money, your pockets just started, you just starting able to stack. Don't do it because there's a high probability that it's going to be some BS. That's just being real. 100%. Like so many, like if, if the business is what it's supposed to be, why do they need your money? You know what I'm saying? So when you just started making money, I know it's like, okay, I can grow my money. I can invest. You yep. need to be real tight, like keep it tight because everybody's going to come out of every way with an opportunity, especially when they know you got it. So the best way to just avoid all of that is just no. The answer is no, I'm not doing it. In my opinion, investing is what you do with money that you didn't have to work for. Exactly. If I had to put hours to make that $12,000, why would I invest that? That, that money needs to go back into what just made me that $12,000 right. to make me more. If I make the money, that money's got to make me more money now. When that second money, and I, there's a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. If you haven't read it, you have to read it. But it talks about your money having children. And it says you never spend your money's children. Your money's children have to have children. And you spend the grandchildren of your money. Mm. So investing is what you do with not just residual income, but money that you made from your money making you money, not you. If I have to work for it, and Grant Cardone says this all the time, and you know people can feel how they want about him, but I think this is like the smartest piece of advice. You never spend money that's not cash flow. Like if it's coming to you from your business because you have employees invest that but if you're still working keep yeah, working yeah. you know if after i made like my first 100k in wholesaling everybody had you should do this you should yes. do that there's all these people with these funds they want you to invest in these yep. funds like if i don't just have millions of dollars sitting around and i need to put money somewhere i'm not going to put that money anywhere but back into me back into my business back into the things i want to do because i i can bet on me every time and 10x that yep. but i don't really know what you're doing so if you are going to like, do your extreme <laughs> homework and due diligence yep. on anything, any opportunity people have or any, like, advice people give you. Because they might not mean it in a malicious way. They might mean well. Facts. But what worked for them may not work not for working. you. Mm. So just, if you're making money, keep making money. Keep making money. And, yeah. it, and something that's important to also remember is that just how your job is to make money, there's people out here job and they spend hours and hours just to take the money you made. And <laughs> My I, dad I'm, says that all the time. It's so funny. I never heard anybody else say It's that. real. And I'm, I'm not even talking about on no street kind of stuff. I'm talking mm -hmm. about legally. Mm -hmm. It's people out here that have businesses and they and they move like they might be in suits and ties, dressed to the nines, and their business, their job is to take the money that you made. Mm -hmm. So as a person that's making good money as an entrepreneur, even as a person as a corporate nine to five or whatever, you have to be a stickler about your finances because when people know you got it, they will come for you and come with all these kind of opportunities and be like, I just need 45000 from you. We yep. can do this. Mm -hmm. And then when you got it, you're like, all right, cool, let's do it. Next thing you know, something going bad. Now, now you pissed off. Let's go have fun a house. Let's go. All <laughs> kind, it's going to be, I'm telling you, you know, it's going to be all kinds of opportunities. And that's also why it's best when you make money, just shut the hell up. Yes. Because, <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> if people don't know, they won't come to you and they won't ask. Nobody will be asking for a thousand dollars, five hundred dollars. Nobody will say nothing because they don't know you got it. So, and I know that's hard to do. When you, I, I, I said I got this thing that I say. I say it's three. It's three stages that people go through when they make money. The first stage is they want everybody to know. It's like I want everybody to know I got money. I want everybody to know I'm doing well. The second stage is. You really don't care if people know. you. Like, if people think you got money, you don't really care. If they think you broke, you don't care. It's like, whatever. But the final stage is you don't want anyone to know you got money. It's like, I'm getting money. I don't want nobody to know. I want everybody to think I'm broke. I ain't got nothing. Because that way, people are not going to ask. So I tell people, like, you may not go through all three, but generally speaking, you either going people going to experience one of those stages. And I tell people it's probably best to try to go at least to stage, straight to stage two. Just skip that stage one. But the goal I think everyone should be aiming for is definitely stage three because there's less problems when, when you in that position. It's hard in a day where social equity is almost as important as Damn. actual equity. Whew. You know, you don't if you don't have a face That's card, facts. if you're not nobody online, everyone is going to overlook you and treat you bad. So there's a certain amount facts. of uh, of credit and and doors that get open just for you being who you are. That's facts. If you have social equity. So I think it's definitely a balance. It like is. you gotta do, you know, be confident and, and show that you are who you are and be a person of integrity and be genuine. 
But you don't have to be flashy and throwing around how much money you make in conversation casually just to sound yeah, good. Like, sound good. no, just keep, keep. Nobody should know what you make besides you and God and the IRS. And the IRS. That's it. And, <laughs> and um, I mean, some people don't even tell them. So. <laughs> no, that's fact. Social equity. I'm going to wrap it up with this. Social equity in these days. I was, it's funny because I was just talking to my brothers. I was telling them, like, man, I don't understand why, like, certain people that's extremely wealthy, like, want to get, like, lit on the internet. Like, they want to be, like, known. I'm like, you won. Like, you got all this money. I wouldn't care about being known by nobody. And my brothers, they like, they ain't popping. I'm like, what you mean they ain't popping? They was like, if you ain't popping on the internet, you ain't really popping. It don't really matter. Like, who even are you? Like, I'm that's, like. That's, you know, how that's, people, that's how people feel. That's crazy to me. I know if I if I got a Billy right now, I don't think anybody will ever see me again. <laughs> like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, not to say I'm going to stop the podcast completely, but I know gradually I'm going to just go to, like, I'm just completely in the background. I'll probably delete my socials, and I'm just going to be living my life. But if you have a billion and you're lit on social, you can turn that into 10 billion. That's a fact. people no, that's are going to buy into what you're doing. You know what I mean? So yeah. being good on social can only boost what you're doing, but what you're doing has to be good. It has like, to be good, though. And it has to be genuine. Mm, that's man. It's no way. It's no better way to wrap up than that. First, I want to say, Tidy, you've been an amazing guest. I want to. I appreciate you taking the time to come out here and do your thing. Like you killed it. I know the viewers and listeners they're gonna love it. But before you wrap up, I want you to plug all your stuff where people can find you, follow you, become a, a student of yours. Everything you got going on, plug, plug it. Yes, yes, definitely. So you can follow me on all platforms uh, at Tadi Virtual, T A D I Virtual, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, whatever, YouTube. Um, and I do have a mentorship. Um, you have to apply. It's very selective because I want to make sure that you you heard my story and what it takes to do it, obviously. Mm -hmm. You can't just come in there and expect it to happen. You have to be willing to put a lot of work in. So what I'm doing right now um, is I'm doing a challenge. I'm doing a five-day challenge. And uh, it's going to be at um, richandremote.com. So rich, the letter N, remote. So if you go to richandremote.com, You'll be able to see all the details, but I'm literally taking everybody and day by day in five days, breaking down everything, getting them to take action and actually showing them the inside of the virtual wholesaling business. That way you're getting it right up front versus you start doing something and it doesn't happen in a day or two or three because you're not putting the work in and you start wondering like, is this real? No. Like, you're getting everything in five days, and this challenge is going to be what catapults people into taking action right away. That's fine. You know, everybody buys a course, and then they just sit on it. Yep. That's dead. Like, you can't be doing that. So um, this challenge is going to be huge, so I'm really excited about that. I think this is a way that I'll finally be able to push people in mass to just take action right away. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm focusing on right now is um, – changing a lot of people's lives with that five-day challenge. Y'all heard it. Tap into that because that's going to be crazy. And if you want to become a virtual wholesaler, I'm going to make sure I put the, uh, that link in the description show notes so people can just hit that link and get straight to it. Perfect. But like I said, I definitely appreciate you coming on again. This has been an amazing episode. And wrapping up, y'all can find me on every platform at the Millionaire Mindsets Pod and my personal account is at the official Xavier Miller. And that's all I got for y'all on this episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. See you guys next episode. Peace.